Hi everyone, my name is Asli Morafka with the Kepper Institute and I'll be your host for today. I've recently talked with Leah Humphrey, a young black activist with the Indy 10 Black Lives Matter organization. In our interview, we talked about some of her greatest challenges, her favorite moments, and how her work looks like, on the ground work looks like due to COVID-19, and what she hopes to see for her organization in the future. Stay tuned and enjoy. Hi everyone, my name is Ostley Amar Africa. I'm here with Indy 10 Black Lives Matter activist Leah Humphrey. And today she's going to join us and we're going to talk just a little bit about the work she does. And um, yeah, let's go ahead and get started. So Leah, if you could go ahead and introduce yourself, that'd be great. Hi everyone, I'm Leah with Indy 10 Black Lives Matter. Very happy to be here with Ostley. So um, if you could just dive right into uh, what type of work you do at Indy 10, if you want to talk a little bit about the organization and what it's about, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, so Indy 10 has been around for about six years. I've been building and sustaining it with my best friend, Kyra. Um, We recently have added newer members, and um, our main focus is to bring about justice to the Black community here locally. Um, and support initiatives with the black community abroad. And that means um, by holding the police accountable and the state accountable for their mistreatment of um, marginalized communities such as black and brown, LGBTQ, homeless, and mentally ill populations. You mentioned that, um, you know, a lot of, I'm assuming a lot of your work is on the ground. If you want to talk just about how has your work had to change because of COVID, I know that, um, after the pass of George Floyd, the protests um, really peaked, but how has that changed because of COVID or how's that, has that had any impact? Right, so over the years we've done direct action, we've had protests, um, but due to COVID, and we've had, um, in the past we've had um, events, you know, we've had panel discussions that were in person, we've had all type of discussions, we've had um, celebrations, and so we've been able to build a community in person. But after COVID, you know, there uh, we've dealt with two police murders here in Indianapolis. Dre John Reed and Mikhail Rose, who were two young black men who were shot within eight hours of each other. And so, of course, we had to take to the streets to protest their murders. And so with COVID, now we've had to make sure that we provide PPE, like personal protective equipment and masks if we can. And so that people are able to demonstrate, but still be able to um, do so in a way that can be as safe as possible. You know, it is, it is not ideal. We cannot protest and keep six feet of distance. But what we can do is try to at least make sure that people have masks and hand sanitizer. And then well, we are not, no longer right now to have large events. So we recently were a part of a team that put on a street mural, a Black Lives Matter street mural on Indiana Avenue. Um, and we wanted to pair that with a um, block party where we would pay local performing artists uh, as well as local artists to be on Indiana Avenue and have food vendors and have people come and watch the artwork be created. But due to COVID, um, there are restrictions, which are important because we need to keep our community safe because Black people are at um, an increased risk of dying from COVID. So uh, we were not able to have the block party portion of the mural, we were just able to have the mural be painted in a private setting. Okay, yeah. Um, Yeah, it's so unfortunate because a lot of work is about building and about being together and just that distance is really difficult to overcome. I'm glad that you were able to um, find some ways around it and still 
do what needs to be done. Um, so you said you've been working with Indie 10 for a long time. I'm curious, what are some of the biggest challenges you faced and from that kind of talk about the things that you've learned most about yourself and the organization and the community? That'd be great. Oh, thanks. This, this is a great question. Challenges. So there are many challenges as it relates to community work. But, you know, if you are really dedicated to community and if you are dedicated to pursuing equity and justice and creating a world that is safe for everyone, you know, you have to, you have to figure out um, creative ways to navigate those challenges, whether that's reassessing your positionality or seeking counsel for someplace or maybe um, sitting down with a mediator and going through conflict transformation. So in the beginning years, a lot of the struggles or challenges had to do with, you know, just being young and being upset and never really knowing how to organize before, like never having to organize. And so when you're thrown into action because you're so upset and you're young, you know, you mess up a lot of the times. But you thank God that we had some elders through Kepper, M Hotel and Pilot Fair, Pambana who took us under their wing and tried to help us navigate some of those challenges that just people have with being young and not really knowing how to navigate political or activist spaces because, you know, you aren't taught those things. So it's something you have to learn. So those are just natural challenges. Um, And then there's always a challenge with being like a Black woman doing this work because, um, you know, massage noir is a very real thing. And sometimes, you know, people don't respect the voices of Black women organizers as much as they would a man. So we had to deal with those challenges and through the years, through persistence and through being dedicated to the work, we have gained the trust of many people, not of everyone, but a lot of community members have seen the way that we have stuck to the work. And so the challenge of them looking for a man, for the most part, I feel like we've overcome because they realize that a lot of the work is often done by Black women, but is often, it often goes unacknowledged. And then, so now there's a challenge with navigating like your um, your work life and your community life, you know, with activism. Because a lot of times we feel like, you know, you're in this this work and people feel like it's like a race or really, um, you know, revolution isn't going anywhere. Um, that's what you know, my mentor always says. When I like get off track, like Leah, the revolution isn't going anywhere. It's still going to be here. You know, white supremacy it has been a long running thing and it's not going anywhere. So there's there's still plenty of work to do. So learning how to pace yourself and learning that, you know, you don't have to sprint to the finish line because, you know, there is no, no finish line really right now. Um, white supremacy is an ever-changing thing. And so we have to figure out ways to be able to sustain ourselves and take care of ourselves along with being able to take care of community while fighting against this system that wishes to oppress us. Um, and then there's always a challenge of navigating different personalities and just navigating different archetypes and different people within the work and within the movement. You know, people come to the movement at different points and places and times in their lives. And so for the most part, I believe that, you know, as Black people, as organizers, as people looking to get free and liberated, we can't afford to um, leave anyone behind. And so what, what does it look like to remember where you started out at and how problematic you were? And what does it look like to be patient and to meet people where they are so that you can get them to where we all can be, you know? So there's always a challenge with the human piece of the work, you know? 
interacting with other humans and finding a common ground so that we can educate and learn from each other because you can always learn from anybody you know no one's i don't ever want to get to the part point where i feel like i can learn from people so being able and being willing to learn from other people and being able to teach so that we can all make it to freedom together Yeah, I, I love what you said about meeting people where they're at. And I would say this movement is, because it's been happening for so long, there's so many different, I guess, waves of activism and waves of people, you know, understanding what's going on and stuff like that. And so, um, and you would consider that, I mean, not necessarily a challenge, but like a point of growth, if you want to elaborate a little more, like if you have any like examples or that'd be great. Examples of growth? Examples of like meeting where you, you had to meet someone where they're at. Yes, yes. So I can give a few. When we first um, started doing this activism work, you know, you know, you read all these articles and these tweets and these think pieces, and you come up with these new concepts around feminism and sexuality, and you know, um, and classism, and you learn a lot. You want to take in all this information, and then you want to pour it on people, and you expect everyone to get the concepts concepts like that you know you want kind of you kind of want understanding to be like microwavable you know quick and so even with my elders when we have conversations about new models and new identities that people had it took a while for them to get on board with the way that you know this younger generation may identify and the way that we push for equality and freedom and so understanding that they come from a different time period and so being able to merge the two and being able to take some of their wisdom but also like allow them to see like this is something new that we're also pushing for and understanding that, you know, they might not get it at first, but being willing to work with them, even though they are older, so that they can at least gain an understanding that will help with help us all with building like a better future, you know, because our elders are very important in that role. And also like right now we are we have new we call them baby activists who are, have been thrown into this work since Dre John Reed have been, uh, has been murdered. And a lot of them are not familiar with concepts around activism and community. They just know that something happened to a young black boy who many of them knew here in the city and it was wrong. And so they want to be activated and, have to, and find ways to bring about justice and to build community that may not always be um, in the way that we see, fit, we see fit or we agree with, but if we are truly about bringing community and bringing justice to all, then we need to meet them where they are and bring an understanding and be patient and, and um, point out times where they might say things that we might not agree with, but be willing to not condemn them, um, but be willing to have conversations to build a better understanding and understand that this isn't going to happen. Their, their concepts and ideas aren't going to change overnight, but be willing to work with them so that, um, you know, we could all at least be closer to the same idea of what justice looks like and liberation looks like for everybody. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so we spent some time talking about challenges, but what are some of the, I guess, your favorite moments in the work that you can say? Oh yeah, favorite moments. I say, you know, over the years, we haven't been able to do it this year because of COVID. 
But over the years, we've gone into schools and we've talked to um, younger people about activism and about revolution. It feels good, you know, to to engage with young people and to figure out, you know, this is a different generation. What do they know about the Black Lives Matter movement? What do they know about, like, historically Black-led revolutions um, throughout the years? What do they know about feminism and LGBTQ rights? And then how can we... Um, get these young people activated and it feels good when just engaging and seeing them uh, light up and answer questions and to um, ask questions and engage with the work. You know, you'll be surprised with how much young people know these days. And um, thanks to, thanks to social media. So it's, that's the best part. That's a highlight to me um, is to be able to interact with people who are often overlooked and aren't um, looked to for guidance and understanding. Great. Um, what, where do you see yourself as it relates to like the organization? And then where do you see the organization in five years from now? Oh, so your really? role in it and then the actual organization. Really good questions. Wow. Um, so as it relates to the organization and my role, I don't know. You know, I don't know where I see myself within the organization in five years. I feel like I've done this work for, you know, I've dedicated my 20s to doing this type of work, growing and learning. And so the way I view life is like, you never know where life will take you. You know, you never know what opportunities will present themselves. And while I, while I love this work that I do and I plan to dedicate my life to liberation of all people and to community, I'm not sure if it'll always look like this in this way. You know, I cannot guarantee that it will always look like Indy 10. What I can guarantee is that my life will always be dedicated to the people, right? And so my role right now within Indy 10 is to get it to a point where it can possibly make a powerful and positive impact on community and get it to a place where it could possibly sustain itself without me, you know? Um, because you begin something because you start something and you build something that does not mean that you have to see it till the end. And if you leave something, that doesn't mean that there's any bad blood or that you don't love something. It means that the work or that the universe has just taken your life to a different place. That's not saying that I plan to leave. That's just a reality that I'm understanding, sitting with. Hopefully, Indy 10 is, becomes a force here in Indianapolis and makes the positive change on community with or without me. And in five years, uh, hopefully Indy 10 has an established mental health task force that works in partnership with stakeholders, mental health stakeholders in the city to go out and to take care of our community members um, who might be suffering from, mental, from a mental illness and be able to do that so that the police will not have to respond. Um, we do not believe that the police are equipped to deal with people who have a mental illness. And we do not believe that people who are suffering with a mental illness should be met with violence or met with people with badges and guns. I also hope that, you know, Indy 10 has a, like a strong youth presence and has a, a presence from youth who are from all walks of life, who are from the hood, who are underprivileged and get them to be um, activated, you know, has a, a youth led, um, arm of the work that's politicized and that's ready to like take care of itself and take care of community 
Um, you know, NDT has always had its own agency. Like we've always made up our own rules and have moved through the world in that way. So hope, hopefully that Indy 10 continues to navigate in a way that's revolutionary and that's best for community, but also that isn't tied to like a power structure. It's like tied to money so that no one gets to control or dominate, dominate Indy 10's voice. Um, hopefully Indy 10 like maybe has emergency housing in five years and is able to employ people it remains like a solid structure institution. I, I'm hopeful, you know, and hopefully you can do that with or without me. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, so I don't have any more questions, but I'm muted myself. I don't have any more questions, but if you did want to definitely plug any 10, um, any upcoming things, this would be the time to do that now. That'd be great. Yeah, we have demands for Dre John Reed and Mikhail Rose on our Facebook page that we still need to be met. So we have a script. We have an email that you, a script for email that you can send out or a script for a phone call that you can utilize um, to demand justice for both Mikhail and Dre John. We have demands that um, for the Fraternal Order of Police and for the city to allow that they're contract negotiations we made public and we wanted to see more funds allocated towards the community and removed from the police department but people can find all the information and more on our facebook page it's nd10 black lives matter so indy10 black lives matter indianapolis on facebook um nd10 indy people nd10 people on twitter and blm indy on instagram Okay, sweet. Thank you so much, Lee. Thanks, everyone, for uh, tuning in today. Thank you, Ashley. Once again, thank you all for listening to my interview with Indy 10 Black Lives Matter activist Leah Humphrey. Be sure to check out her work on Facebook for more information, events, how you can get involved, and more. The music in this episode was Dreaming by Lee.